Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, November 15th. Shocking new allegations claim that China tried to influence Canada's 2019 federal election. We get details from Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of The West Block. Approximately 15,000 Calgary students were absent from school last week. We catch up with Dr. Sam Wong, president of the section of pediatrics from the Alberta Medical Association, to discuss what's behind the large number of kids in the province falling ill. It's painful, itchy, and costing Alberta's healthcare system $6.3 million annually. What you need to know about shingles and the preventative measures you can take to avoid it. And finally, it's Tech Tuesday. This time out, the gadget guy Mike Yanni shares some tips to stay safe online and on your phone when it comes to taking advantage of the many upcoming Black Friday and Cyber Monday shopping deals. I gathered from uh, Canadian intelligence sources that Chinese consulate officials in Toronto directed a large clandestine transfer of funds to influence the 2019 federal election. That was a clip from Global News investigative journalist Sam Cooper on this week's episode of The West Block with details on the allegations that have been put forth. We're joined by host of The West Block and Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson. Good morning to you, Mercedes. Hey, good morning, Andy. Can you explain a little further? Heard that little clip there uh, about these allegations behind China's attempted interference into the 2019 federal election. For, for those who have not heard about the story, can you put it in a nutshell for us, Mercedes? So, essentially, Sam Cooper worked on the story for a long time. He spoke to a number of intelligence sources, and he got information um, that are allegations. Um, the prime minister was briefed, and that the prime minister was briefed um, by intelligence officials early this year in a series of briefings that was also applied to cabinet ministers um, about essentially an attempt by China. Um, these allegations, I apologize, there's a lot of sirens going by here. I live in the downtown in the early morning. Sometimes this happens. Um, but it, essentially that there was uh, money transferred into some federal election campaigns. There was 11 that uh, allegedly were in this briefing. And that this was used in some cases by people who had winning connections to the CCP um, to, to basically fund certain campaigns, to, to place people in certain people's offices. Um, so these are pretty serious allegations. Now, there's not a suggestion that the entire outcome of the election was influenced, but it's, it's a suggestion that, that there were 11 campaigns for sure, according to the sources who spoke to Cam, there, pardon me, to, to Sam, um, that they are alleging this type of interference took place in. And obviously, that's pretty concerning information. And it's really what all this is based around. But it also talked about these so-called uh, Chinese police stations in Canada that are allegedly using coercion to try to repatriate Chinese citizens who are wanted by the regime. Uh, and as well, in other cases, attempts to uh, interfere with MPs who voted in favor of a resolution in the House of Commons that was happening to the Uyghur population um, in China was in fact genocide. So, so we know, and these allegations are there, that there was some sort and some form of meddling, if you will, Mercedes. How do we know that it was not successful even in part? Is this something that we can, we can measure? I mean, I don't think it's, it's something that I can possibly know because I'm not inside the intelligence um, and, I, and I didn't speak to Sam's sources. So we obviously have to be pretty careful as well. Mm-hmm. We're able to say we know, but we do uh, have sources telling us that the Prime Minister was briefed on 11 of those campaigns. That's what the briefing was. Mm-hmm. Um, the briefing was not that the 20, 
2019 election was flipped, the briefing was that there was attempted interference, according to these intelligence sources, in 11 of those campaigns that they were able to, uh, they believed, identify. This, uh, you know, uh, incident has been noted. And as you mentioned, there's been briefings and investigation. They're looking into it. But I, I think bigger picture, Mercedes, it, it brings the question to Canadians' minds. Are we doing enough to prevent this type of attempted interference in Canada? Well, that's sort of the big question. Um, there's laws that could be changed that haven't been changed. And the Prime Minister has been pretty strident about saying he's not going to tolerate this and he's not going to allow it. And in fact, um, I was just speaking with my colleague, Mackenzie Gray, who's our new reporter in Ottawa. He is um, on the other side of the Pacific Ocean with the Prime Minister at the G20. Um, and they've been told that the Prime Minister raised this issue uh, with Xi Jinping, the the, chi- uh, uh, the president of China, when they had the opportunity to do so today. However, there's a few things that could be clearly changed that haven't been, and that would include things like a foreign agent's registry and some changes to other laws that would make it harder to do something like this and easier to track when money is being moved um, that is being provided by a foreign regime. Those changes haven't been made to Canadian law yet, and that's what a lot of the experts who I've spoken with say needs to happen, that there, there has to be legislative changes in the way that there has been in the UK and in Australia to try to deal with this. Uh, Switching gears, also on the West Block this week, Mercedes, you had the chance to speak with Minister of Veterans Affairs, Lawrence McCauley. Uh, Why are there calls for his resignation? So there's calls for his resignation from sort of two groups of people. One is the union of employees at Veterans Affairs, um, which is interesting. That's a pretty unusual one. And then there's also calls for his resignation from some um, veterans advocates. And they're essentially saying that they don't think he's doing his job. Um, They're not satisfied with how quickly the wait times are moving a lot. We're really not satisfied with his response uh, to the story that we broke about the veteran who was offered medical assistance in dying instead of therapy uh, or an alternative to therapy for his PTSD and his traumatic brain injury. Um, And they felt that he was at many times blaming sort of the departmental officials and that as the minister, you should take responsibility. And so those folks just said he's disengaged, um, and that's why they were calling for his resignation. He says he has no intent of resigning and that he is determined to try to fix these things. All right, let's uh, talk about the G20 and, uh, you know, from the eyes of, of Canada, what is obviously all eyes on, you know, doing what we can to help Ukraine and uh, sanction Russia further. Uh, but what else can we account to as a victory for Canada? What else is uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau hoping to achieve at the important G20? Well, yeah, and by the way, um, our own David Aiken at Global News has now been sanctioned by Russia. Oh, <laughs> not okay. Uh, adding to the list, right? <laughs> well, add him to the list of these sort of random lists that Russia puts out every so often where yeah. some people um, really make sense and that every, it's sort of always a mix of, of you know, journalists, politicians, artists who are on this list. Yesterday it was um, our chief political correspondent, David Aiken, okay. uh, who was on there as well. Uh, so this is sort of a, a delicate balance with the G20 because, There's a lot of Russian allies around the table, and the host country, uh, which is Indonesia, does not want um, this to become a a really difficult topic. So they're kind of putting pressure on people not to push back. Despite that, Canada announced more money for Ukraine yesterday um, and continued to denounce Russia, continued to take action against Russia um, in the form of sanctioning and and, uh, talking about this kind of stuff. It wasn't any sort of huge stride forward. Um, But it's interesting because there is 
a different perspective in that part of the world when they're around the table about what to do. And so you sort of have Canada, Britain, you know, a lot of the European allies um, and United States on one side, and then you have, for example, China on the other side. Uh, China has been one of Russia's allies. They've been quiet, but they've been there. Uh, and so there's very much sort of this tension. I wouldn't expect you to see any sort of big documents coming out of the G20, which is a big group, right? It's 20 countries, the top 20 economies in the world, um, that is particularly clearly worded when it comes to things like Russia. What a busy week. Uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for breaking things down for us, Mercedes. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Do you have a sick kid at home? I know I did last week and over the weekend, it seemed like everybody had uh, some kind of congestion, if not the flu. The numbers uh, came down and uh, kind of staggering when you look at it. Uh, last week, 13,000 approximately Edmonton students missing school last week due to illness. And here in Calgary, that number even higher at 15,000 students. Joining us to discuss the upswing of illness among Alberta kids is Dr. Sam Wong, president of the section of pediatrics at the Alberta Medical Association. Good morning to you, Dr. Wong. Hello. Uh, thank you for taking the time with us. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, what is it? What are the factors contributing to the increase of sick kids in our province? Well, I think, uh, I think the onset of cold weather, we see this every year, uh, except for the last couple of years because of COVID. But generally, you know, winter season comes along and we start seeing increasing viral illnesses. Um, this year, we are, we've been hit pretty hard with RSV and influenza right now in Alberta is a, a major problem as well. And so that combination of influenza, RSV has led to a lot of kids being sick and increased school ad- absenteeisms, ab- absenteeisms as well as uh, increasing visits to uh, physicians and emergency departments. You mentioned a few things there, Dr. Wong. I, I did not hear mm-hmm. COVID. Is COVID a factor within some of these uh, absences? I, it's hard to say for sure because I think the most of the clinical things that we're seeing is secondary to the RSV and, and influenza. They may also have some COVID as well. Um, kids have generally in the past have done reasonably well with COVID symptoms, especially with the Omicron. I think uh, if they're being tested positive, it's usually because they're being tested for other reasons and they're quite often positive for the RSV or influenza. And, and previously, it was enterorhinovirus that we were seeing a lot of uh, as well through the summertime. So should parents be concerned, or is it kind of a coincidence, or is this one of those cases that the flu is in the strain that we're seeing, you know, coming, we heard earlier, the forecast from Australia, that it's much stronger than normal? Is, is that part of it? Yeah, I think the uh, influenza this year, I, I'm not sure if it's more virulent, or uh, but we're certainly seeing sicker kids with influenza this year. Um, Kids who are, uh, you know, the the odd case are ending up in ICU, needing intubation and uh, blood pressure supports. Um, certainly, we're seeing a lot more n- uh, kids with influenza. And I was just looking at the uh, Health Canada website, and um, as of the week uh, ending November fifth, sixty sixty five percent of the influenza cases in Canada were in kids under nineteen. So definitely, it seems to be hitting the kids quite hard this year compared to uh, previous years. And I imagine when the data comes out next week for this past week that um, numbers will continue to be quite high for kids under 19. Speaking with Dr. Sam Wong, president of the section of pediatrics at the Alberta Medical Association. And uh, Dr. Wong, we've also, as you've seen chronicled in the news and online, we've seen a massive shortage in cold medicine. What can parents do to help their kids when we can't find any cold meds for them? 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult, uh, difficult process to go through uh, for most parents. I mean, they're quite concerned about their, their kids. And, and we used to always have Tylenol and ibuprofen available whenever, whenever we needed it. And that's been a, a bit of a problem. Uh, I would actually suggest talking to your pharmacist and, and see if there's some other way of getting um, uh, packaged uh, adult medicines. And they can tell you exactly what would be the most appropriate alternatives for, for getting Tylenol or ibuprofen in, in the child. Um, I think that's probably your best bet. Uh, they are the experts when it comes to, to medications, and uh, they can point you in the right direction with how to provide the uh, appropriate dosing of Tylenol and, and ibuprofen. Now, I read somewhere, I'm not sure you know, if, if, if this is true or if this is Canadian-based, but that pharmacies, certain pharmacies can, can actually mix up a prescription of, of cold medication for children. Is, is that true? Yeah, so there's pharmacies that are um, actually known as compounding pharmacies, and they can actually compound the medications. Obviously, it's going to be much more expensive than what you would buy over the counter because they have to prepare it. Um, And so you can find a compounding pharmacy. If they have the ingredients, they can certainly mix up, um, you know, acetaminophen syrup or uh, ibuprofen syrup. Um, Obviously, the shelf life on those are not as long as you would get for something that's bought over the counter, but there are compounding pharmacies that may be able to, to mix that, um, that compound up. When it comes to the flu shots, Dr. Wong, uh, you know, it's too late for some kids who have the flu at this point or have a massive cold. How long after we've had the flu or what we think might be the flu, are we eligible or is it best to get that flu shot if you've not had it yet? If you haven't had it yet, please get it. Um, it's it's going to be a rough year for influenza, as I mentioned already, that it seems to be hitting the kids hard. Um, and the uptake in flu influenza vaccination hasn't been great in Alberta. And so I highly encourage um, parents to bring their kids and get them uh, vaccinated as soon as they can if they haven't already got the uh, flu. Um, they can uh, wait. I think you'd have to talk to public health about that, but uh, certainly give them a call and find out uh, what the timeline is after they've uh, been sick. I think usually a couple weeks to a month uh, is, is the timeline. But uh, once again, I would check with public health and then see what they have to mm. say. The desperation for the cold medication, you know, with the shelves being empty and parents who've had to get them know that the shelves are empty. I'm wondering if, if you had at the back of the cupboard, for example, an older bottle of children's liquid Tylenol or caplets for children, the chewables, uh, but they were like a year old or even older than that. Is that still effective or what, what sorts of cautions should we uh, be uh, taking here? Yeah, certainly looking at the uh, an out-of-date medication, we usually don't recommend taking it. Uh, if it's only a, a year out-of-date, um, it, it will still be efficacious. It just won't be as efficacious. Um, so if you, if you need to use it, you can certainly use it. It just won't be as effective as it was if it's before its date. If it's more than a, a year old, I would be hesitant to actually use it because I think and then you're running more of a risk than... Um, but certainly you can you can run it past your pharmacist once again. I, I, I know I'm deferring to my pharmacist colleagues, but um, they, they just are the experts when it comes to medications. And certainly um, bringing that in to talk to the pharmacist and seeing if they, it's still effective would be a good way to check to make sure it is still useful and safe to take. Just before we let you go, uh, you know, you mentioned something earlier about the colder weather. I'm wondering because so often my mom would say, and I think a lot of the older generation says, when it's cold out, that's when you're going to get a cold because of the cold weather. Is it not so much the cold weather, but we spend more time indoors during this time of the year? Is that what it is? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I, I remember my parents, oh, it's getting cold out there. You're going to catch cold when you go outside. I'm like, no, that's not the, the case. You catch it because you, somebody else has got it and they brought it inside and people are spending more time 
inside with other people, and that's what happens when uh, uh, when large people get together. And so that's yeah, it's a it's an old fallacy yeah. that uh, has persisted, unfortunately. I'm going to tape this tape, doctor, and play it to my teens because that's why they won't, <laughs> don't want to even walk uh, to get a hot chocolate outside because they might get a cold. So, oh yeah, no, that, you can you can send them okay. outside. It's uh, it's actually probably good for them, actually, unless they are sick. Yeah, absolutely, they need the fresh air. <laughs> Thank you so much for your insight this morning, Doctor Wong. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problems anytime. Thank you, Doctor Sam Wong, president of the section of pediatrics at the Alberta Medical Association. I know we're all getting sick of shots and vaccinations, but it might be time to roll up your sleeve for a shingles shot. Joining us to discuss the importance of protecting yourself against shingles is Dr. Jia Hu, Medical Officer of Health of, for Alberta Health Services here in Calgary. Good morning to you, Dr. Hu. Good morning. Well, let's break this down because shingles, we've heard the term, but a lot of people might not know much about it. What exactly is shingles? Yes, shingles is basically like a reactivation of chickenpox, which a lot of people have when they were younger. Um, And and that basically it it happens usually older in age and it causes uh, essentially this very, very painful, uh, nasty looking rash. Um, And and sometimes, you know, it takes a few weeks to go away, but sometimes that pain can last for months or even years. Um, And, you know, it affects up to one in three Canadians, so it is very common as well. You know, it's interesting because I often thought shingles would just be representative of a rash, but I'd heard a case of a, a coworker of mine years ago where it was actually in his head, like with, with, within his skull, kind of, a, you know, uh, not, yeah. not was it his brain that it could affect? Yeah, you know, it can definitely infect the face. It can affect, like, the, the eyes and the ears. Uh, you know, recently, Justin Bieber had something called Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, which is basically a complication of shingles. Um, and, and that sort of caused quite a lot of, I think, distress and pain for concertures. So, you know, normally it is a rash in the sort of the trunk or the leg, but it can, you can, get to, it can do some sort of nasty stuff to people. Doctor, who I'd heard a long time back uh, that was over the age of 50, you should be concerned most about shingles. And then I've... Heard it readjusted to say uh, 40 plus. So, so what is it? What is the age that I should be concerned and be getting my uh, shot? Yeah, I mean, the fact is, you know, um, people of any age can get it. But right now, the, you know, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization recommends the vaccine for those that are 50 and older. Uh, your risk really increases dramatically when you're 50 and older, I guess. Uh, but people younger than have been known to get it. Um, some people who are less than 50 but are immunocompromised probably can get it sooner because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those people have a weak immune system allowing shingles more to, 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 to come and reactivate more easily. But we still say 50 or over under 15 immunocompromised for the vaccine. How would I know I had shingles, Dr. Who? What are the symptoms that I would see? Well, I think most people know that they have shingles. Uh, you know, you'll probably start by feeling some, some weird electric pain, searing pain, and then you'll get the rash, and then it'll look kind of like basically like bubbly. Um, but it, it's not something that people normally miss uh, because it's sort of quite prominent and quite painful. And as far as how serious it can get, can you run the spectrum for us? For for some people, is it just yeah. you know inconvenience, or others much more serious? Yeah, 
I mean, so I, I think for um, for most, and most is a lot of people, one in three Canadians, they'll get that rash, that painful rash, uh, last two to four weeks, you'll be put on medications. Um, for some others, um, you know, tens of thousands of Canadians still get something called post-herpetic neuralgia. And that's sort of a sort of a persistent electric nerve pain that doesn't go away after sort of the rash disappears. And that can be quite difficult to treat, and they might put you on, uh, you know, different types of medications, maybe even some opioids, but that's really the action to get. And then if you're really, really, really immunocompromised, um, you know, you know, small number of Canadians do die every year, so that's something you'd expect from shingles, but it really does sort of run that spectrum. But I think even just the, the run-of-the-mill rash, um, if you know anybody that's had it before, can be quite debilitating, um, which is why you know, we really do strongly recommend the vaccine. I've got a question. It might be outside of your wheelhouse, Dr. Who, and that is uh, from Chris. Chris texts in and says, ask why it is not covered for seniors. It's very expensive. I had a, had a prescription for a couple of years, but I have not filled it due to the high cost. So again, this might not be, you know, under your umbrella of responsibilities and duties, Dr. Who, but uh, that, that is a good question in the sense that if it is so serious, why is it not 100% covered? Yeah, no, it is a really good question. And I, I, I think something that we find with vaccines generally, and the shingles vaccine has been out for actually quite a few years, and a lot of experts do think it should be covered, um, is that we don't, you know, in Alberta, but also in a lot of other problems, really good funding mechanisms to cover these vaccines. And so, um, you know, whether it's shingles, whether it's certain types of, you know, better flu vaccines, there's a lot of new vaccines coming on board. Um, I, I, I think that governments haven't quite figured out the way to, to cover them uh, in the same way that, 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 you know, drugs are usually covered once, you know, they, they enter the formulary. And so, you know, I absolutely do think shingles should be covered um, and a lot of other vaccines, but that's sort of not the state of the world. And I'm glad that question was asked. Uh, about 50% to 62 thirds of people uh, with private drug coverage, um, those plans will cover the, uh, the vaccine. But, you know, if you don't have the public funding or the private funding, it's going to set you back about 300 bucks, which I know is a pretty big barrier, especially to seniors. Doctor, just before we let you go, I know that pharmacists uh, have increased their responsibilities and what they can do when you just walk into a pharmacy, for example. Is this something that I could just, you know, go into a pharmacy, maybe book an appointment and get it done? Or do I have to get my doctor to write me a prescription for a shingles vaccine? You know, you actually can go to a pharmacy and just get it because, you know, most pharmacists or most pharmacies in Alberta have a prescribing pharmacist. And so, I mean, a really big fan of actually seeing the pharmacist for things like this. And so you can absolutely go in or book an appointment maybe, uh, but walk in if you have to um, and, you know, get this vaccine. And maybe while you're at it, get the, the COVID and the flu shots because there's a lot of respiratory virus going around as well today. So we want to protect against all those things. Do it all in one-stop shop. Thank you so yep. much, Dr. Who. We appreciate your time. Okay, no worries. Thank you. Have a good morning. You too. It's Dr. Jia Hu, Medical Officer of Health for Alberta Health Services here in Calgary. The sales are already underway. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, two of the biggest online shopping days of the year, but sometimes things aren't exactly what they seem. Mike Yanni joins us this morning, uh, the gadget guy around these parts, so with a look at ways to keep yourself safe to make sure you aren't getting scammed this holiday season. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning, Andy. Yeah, you know, this is the time of the year that uh, you can save some big money, but of course this is when the scammers are looking to make money off us as well. And everyone likes a good sale. I know you do too, Andy. I, I very much do, but, you know, I think sometimes we get caught up in the hype. We want to get our hands on that product and... And maybe too good to be true, or maybe they're just being straight up nefarious. Let's talk, first of all, about uh, some great deal emails we should be looking out for. Yeah. Do you sign up for those uh, the newsletters from some of your favorite stores? 
Yeah, absolutely. I do, particularly if I can get 5% off of my purchase. There you go, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, and that's why people sign up. They want to get the deals. They want to get notifications of sales. And, of course, scammers are taking advantage of this. We've seen this over the last couple of years. So what happens is basically the scammers will send you an email that looks like it's coming from the store, some of your favorite stores, with a link, with some, you know, great deals that you can't miss out on, hoping you're going to click on that link and take you to the store. Well, you click on that link, and it takes you to the store, well, at least it looks like the store, they do a great job of mirroring some of the biggest sites out there. And so you think you are shopping on the legit sites, but really you're actually shopping at a fake site, you're putting in your credit card information, and you're not getting that order. They're just taking all your personal information, credit card information. The biggest takeaway from this one is even if it's a store that you trust and know, don't click on the links in the email. Go straight to the website of the com- of the you know those companies that you like to avoid getting scammed because this is a big one every year. That is a big one. Also on email, those fake order emails, and I, I get a lot of these. Sometimes they're from stores that I've frequented before. Sometimes I don't remember ordering something, but I'm getting an email. So these can dupe you pretty quickly, can't they? Yeah, and of course, there are stores that some of us order from over and over again, or you just assume that maybe your partner or your child ordered something from the store, so you think it's legit. Uh, So this is a tricky one here, but something to watch for when you get an email that is saying that, you know, please confirm your order. If there's a link, sometimes that link is going to take you to a fake website. Once again, they're going to ask you to verify your purchase, maybe put in your credit card number to verify that you bought something. Uh, once again, go directly to the store website, and you can log into your account and see what you've ordered in the past. Got less than a minute, so I want to leap ahead to text scams. Let's talk about the text scams. It's not just online. This is a big one. We've seen this a lot over the past year. This is not going away. So you get a text that says, uh, your, your order has shipped. Click here to, to track it. You know, and of course, our first instinct is, oh, yeah, of course, I want to know when that package is going to arrive. And once again, this is not legit. It's going to take you to a website that might look like a courier. They might have done a great job of mirroring a courier website. And once again, verify that you made a purchase. Put in your credit card number and we'll track it for you. Don't fall for it. Uh, We're seeing this now, especially with Black Friday, but we're going to see this in the weeks to come, especially with Christmas and people waiting for those packages, hoping they're going to arrive on time. Don't fall for any texts that say your package is on the way. Click here. Okay, just before we let you go, this is a due diligence uh, thing that you sent. I think is fantastic, Mike. We get caught up in getting the great price and maybe getting the great brand, but making sure we have the most up-to-date brand of the item we're looking for. Tell us about this. Yeah, you know, you don't want to give the gift that is already outdated. And, you know, Black Friday is a huge time, and you can get some great savings, but know this. Retailers love to get rid of old stock at this time of the year. They can blow it out. They can drop the price, but know what you're getting because sometimes those computers have a processor that's four or five years old, or maybe that television has one HDMI port in it instead of the four or five that the new ones have. So just do your research. Know what model's on sale, what year it's from, and exactly what the features are uh, because sometimes, like I said, you can save, but you're going to be getting a, a model that's older, and if you're giving it as a gift, that might be a big disappointment. Especially your teens yelling at you for the next month or two. It's just not worth it, I say. No. <laughs> um, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for your tips, Mike. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Right, that is Mike Yanni, the Gadget Guy. You can find him online at Gadget Guy Mike. Of course, go to YouTube, search Gadget Guy Mike Yanni. He's got some great content there as well.